Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey Hillier, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me, some of my friends from all walks of life, as we chat about how the prophetic is purposed to build both the church and to break outside of her four walls into your world. We'll chat to prophetically minded people who will inspire you. They come from all walks of life, somebody for everyone to relate to. And each conversation has the purpose of equipping you to prophetically build and lead in the places and spaces that God has placed you. So let's go. Everybody, so glad that you're back today as we continue in our spheres collection. And so far, we've looked at an introduction, we've talked about the business world, we've looked at the education sphere, we looked at family, and today we're going to talk about the science and medical world. And this is going to be a really interesting topic today. We're going to have a broad range discussion. Um, Thank you so much for everybody who's been feeding back on the podcast so far. It really is such an encouragement to me and to my guests when you tag us, when you subscribe, when you review, and when you share your stories. I heard an amazing testimony just this past week of somebody who listened to the podcast because their friend was being interviewed or their family member was being interviewed. And they just said they'd never thought of their workplace as a place where they were in ministry and where they could hear God's voice and be used that way. I can't tell you how much that blesses me. So please keep your testimonies coming. But today, let's talk all things science and medicine. We're moving into a discussion about a sphere that is under the microscope, (laughs) pun fully intended right there, given our current climate. You know, I live in the beautiful city of Melbourne, and right now we have just entered over 200 days and we have had the longest lockdown of anywhere in the world. And our frontline medical workers are really feeling the pinch right now. And so we are talking about a sphere that is literally under the microscope. So let's take a look at a bit of a snapshot of the science and medicine sectors within Australia so that we know what and who we are talking about. Australia's health and welfare services are provided by a variety of organisations and professionals, including medical practitioners, nurses, allied and other health professionals, social workers, aged and disabled carers, early education carers, hospitals, government and non-government agencies. And they deliver a really wide range of services from public health and preventative services in the community to primary health care, emergency health services, hospital-based treatments, alcohol and drug treatments, adoption and child protective services, housing assistance, and even palliative care. And all of them, their main focus is to promote general health and well-being and to provide treatment, care, and support services in times of illness or need. Now, when you hear that broad overview, you can understand why they are in a very stressful and difficult season right now. Most Australians use services intermittently throughout life and therefore the healthcare and social assistance industry is the largest employing industry in Australia. 
In 2020, there were over 1.7 million people employed in this sphere, and that's projected to increase to more than 1.9 million people working in this sphere by 2024. And many of Australia's healthcare workforces are on the front line of its health response to COVID-19. Indeed, the response has shown the essential role of the healthcare workforce and providers in caring for Australians, including the most vulnerable people. Now, did you know that some of the greatest innovations in the science and medical world have actually come from Australia? Let me give you a few examples. Spray on skin. Yes, that's a thing, and that's used in the recovery or the treatment of burns victims. What about electronic pacemakers invented in Australia? The medical application of penicillin came from Australia. Cochlear implants, Australian. Ultrasound scanners, Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. Plastic lenses for glasses, uh, conceived of, designed, invented here in the science and medical field. And the HPV vaccine. Whether or not you agree with that, that's the um, human papillovirus um, vaccine that's given to our young girls now as they go into high school. That was invented in Brisbane, Australia. There are big things happening in the science and medical sphere right here down under in Australia. You know, a survey conducted by Science and Technology Australia shows that Australians have very strong levels of trust in science higher than in many other nations. Nine in 10 of us say we trust science and scientists. That's really interesting. Australians also strongly support more investment in science. 19 in 20 of us think it will make the country stronger if we increase our investment in this sphere. And amid daily reminders of the vast value of science to inform public, inform public understanding of the COVID and climate changes, nine in 10 Australians say science should help drive policy making. This is a very influential sphere within our nation. So if you work in this sphere or you know someone who works in this sphere and they feel overwhelmed or they feel like a lone voice amidst this, you are in a position of influence and God has put you there for a reason. In other key findings, 17 in 20 Australians think there are negative consequences for a society if we don't value and listen to science. 19 in 20 Australians see scientists as critical to our future well-being. Two in three parents think that during the COVID pandemic, scientists and medical professionals are inspiring a new generation to pursue a science-based career in the future. Again, let me say, if you work in this sphere or for the next generation, if you want to influence the world for God and for good, this is a sphere that is poised for great influence for the kingdom. So upon that foundation, I want to read you a few scriptures related to this sphere before we have a chat with a few of my friends who are already working in this space. In John 1 verse 3, I'm going to read from the NIV, we read, through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In Colossians 1.16, in the ESV, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible 
and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Proverbs 25, 2, which I've quoted in previous podcasts, one of my favorite scriptures, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. And finally, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 to 10, another of my life scriptures. Among the mature, however, we speak a message of wisdom, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of the mysterious and hidden wisdom of God, which he destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Rather, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by the Spirit. Track with me here. Who created our bodies? Who created our world? Who is the ultimate scientist? Who created medical solutions for the problems we face in our fallen world? That's right, our God. And as those who have His Holy Spirit, when we take the time to search out what is hidden, when we take time to access that wisdom and those mysteries through the Holy Spirit, why would we not be the most creative, groundbreaking, best medical and scientific minds on the planet? Why would we, as sheep who hear his voice, not be receiving revelations about the things that exist in his heart and mind that he created? And why would he not be giving us solutions for the problems we face? The answer to all of those questions and those ponderings is he is giving us the wisdom. It's whether or not we are listening or accessing it and then operating in it. I love what Chris Vallotton says. He says, you have the mind of Christ and the spiritual capacity for brilliance. That's going to set someone free who's listening right now. That is a word for somebody. If you've ever been told you are dumb, you are not smart enough, you do not have what it takes, I want to tell you right now, you have the genius mind of Christ. And it is not bound by any learning difficulty. It is not bound by any box that society would try to put you in about the way you must learn and the way you must express that learning. You have the spiritual capacity for brilliance as a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am podcasting myself happy. The Holy Spirit has unfathomable experience with humankind and he knows the heart of every person on the planet. The Spirit is the genius of geniuses, the scientist of scientists, the doctor of doctors, the engineer of engineers. He is the real definition of true brilliance and all the wisdom he has 1 Corinthians 2 tells us we have access to that same wisdom through the Holy Spirit. 
So now I want to introduce you to the first of my friends tonight. Tonight I've got two friends. I do actually have two friends. I know it's unbelievable. But the first of those that I'm going to introduce to you tonight is my doctor friend, Dr. Rebecca Field. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your medical background? I mean, I know you grew up in a medical home. Touch on how you studied, your background, etc. Yeah, cool. So I'm actually third generation doctor. Ooh. My dad's dad was a GP, first in Sri Lanka and then in the northern suburbs mm-hmm. for many years. And then my father is still, he's almost 70, but he's still a fantastic obstetrician and gynecologist. Wow in Bandura and um, Mercy and all that. And me, I didn't always know I wanted to be a doctor, mm-hmm. but it just kind of happened and um, went straight from high school into medical school, mm-hmm. did five years at Monash, and then I was a doctor at 23. Wow. I've worked predominantly in hospital settings, like in wards, surgery and emergency. Okay. So I just love, you crack me up every time you tell this story. He's like, yeah, I didn't really know if I wanted to be a doctor. (laughs) Just kind of like one of the smartest people you'll ever meet. So then I just did that. Oh my gosh. So casual about it. All right. So so the people can get to know you because they they love all of that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw you some rapid fire questions. Awesome. Your coffee order. Soy hot chalk if I'm out. Yep. And tea, no sugar, and dash of milk if I'm home. So let's talk about the fact for a moment that you're actually a real tea snob um, because you are married yeah. to someone from the UK. Share, share your heart about tea. Yeah. So never had a cup of tea in my life till I met him. Mm-hmm. And then just started drinking tea all the time and I have to have it a certain way. And we brew loose leaf tea, three minutes Mm -hmm. and a dash of milk. And if it's too much milk, no, not having it. Got to tip it out. So you are judging me when I use a tea bag for you? Not judging you. I just... Quietly disappointed. Yeah. Okay. All right, good yeah. to know. I've but happy to be around one. you, so it, it's a good <laughs> Makes um, up for the bad tea. Trade-off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your favourite ice cream? Anything with Nutella. Oh, yes. Uh, good call. Mm. Okay, if you could have mm, dinner with you. anybody in the world, who and why? Mm. So in the world meaning not God. You can't have dinner with God. Yep. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Oh, you can or you You can have eternal dinners with God one day, Beck. So let's just stay on the earthly realm for now. Okay. Um, I would go with Bob Goff. Oh, yeah. He tells incredible stories. He really does. The only downside is if he put all the stories in the books already, then I already know them. Yep, true. Good thinking. Because I've read his books. Be a short dinner. But... Yeah, but I feel like he would be so fun. Yes. Because when, when I've read his stuff, I just it, he's just so fun. I once saw him speak live and the most impressive thing about him was his love for his wife. He calls her his yeah. beautiful Maria and it's... Sweet Maria Goff. There it is. Oh, you're all over it. Mm-hmm. Well, this probably leads yep. to my next question because I actually <laughs> didn't know that old man crushes were a thing until I got to know Beck and she was like, hey, right. who's your old man crush? And I was like... <laughs> what? Um, do you have one? And she was like, yeah, and you know him. So is Old Man Crush actually a thing or is it just a Beck thing? Is it a doctor thing? Um, I'm pretty sure I made it up, <laughs> but it just kind of happened one day. Yep. 
Yeah, so when Joel was in Bible college, um, one of the professors was Ian Grant. Wow. Hi, Ian. Yeah, so that's when I was like, yeah, old man crashes are a thing. And then when we came to Bridge, I just couldn't get past Pastor Barry and his ukulele. Oh, my goodness. Well, shout out to Pastor Barry. He is a remarkable Hi, man. Barry. And his ukulele <laughs> playing is very special. Okay, yeah. so talk to everybody about what your new role is because you've just started a new role at church. Yeah, so in June I came on board at church um, and my role is adult pastor mm-hmm. and it's pretty awesome. I get to be in the pastoral pillar with Pastor Joe Samuel and just the best team. We have a lot of fun and it's been good. Um, and my role is to look after the adult women of church, which is a huge privilege. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I think it's important that we've actually made it clear that you're looking after the adult women of the church given your history with old man crushes because (laughs) otherwise we might have to put some pretty strong safer churches guidelines in place (laughs) or we might have to lock up the older gentleman in the church. So (laughs) now that we've, let's bring it back, people, bring it back to the things of God. Yeah, reel it in, Stacey. Reel it in. You know I'm reliable at that. So, mm-hmm. Beck, you've actually been on a journey in the last year or so of really growing and I've mm-hmm. gotten the privilege of um, journeying with you in mm-hmm. growing in your sense of hearing God's voice and how that applies to your everyday life. Could you share a little bit about what that journey has looked like and what God's been teaching mm-hmm. you in the last year or so? Yeah. So I've been a Christian all my life mm-hmm. and always loved Jesus, always loved God and believed in him. But it was only in the last year doing the prophetic discipleship journey with yourself mm-hmm. that I really began to hear God. Mm-hmm. Like I would hear him every now and then and it would just be random. Mm-hmm. But I never sort of sorted it out and I didn't know anything about the prophetic. Yep. So learning about the prophetic was like turning a tap on wow. for me. It was just suddenly my relationship with God became an interchange mm-hmm. rather than just a one-way reverence. Wow. And it was just the most beautiful thing ever. Like I feel like... I've actually fallen in love with God in the past year and developed intimacy with him, which is just the greatest, the greatest thing. Yeah. And the greatest story. Um, So how Mm. do you hear God? Do you get a knowing? Do you see things? Do you hear a voice? Do you feel? What's that like for you? Yeah. So predominantly seeing. Yeah. So um, visions Mm -hmm. when I when I pray, particularly like when there's music, like the stillness album, I always feel, yeah. I always get filled with visions, um, dreams as well. Yep. And I always dreamed a lot, but it's coming into that understanding of what they might mean and actually going on a journey with God about what, what does it actually mean? Yeah. So, so yeah. good. And sometimes I'll get like an impression, yep. but Okay. Predominantly a seer. Now, the reason that I've asked you those questions in that order, Beck, is because Mm -hmm. we're talking about your work and what some people would normally divide and um, keep God out of. But in your growing to hear God's voice and in now you talking, and we've talked about your profession, when you reflect on Mm -hmm. your work as a doctor, how does having the Holy Spirit and hearing God's voice change the way what God has called you to do? change the way you do that. Yeah, you mean when I was a doctor? Yeah. Yeah, so moving in the prophetic is not something I did in in the most part of that season. Yeah. But I believe even just being a Christian having a heart after God's heart yeah. made me a better doctor. Yeah. So even as a young 
a younger woman, I always had a lot of God's love and empathy and patience mm-hmm. with patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I believe it went beyond just good bedside manner yep. because the way that people would, and this is not to blow my own trumpet, mm. but the way that they would thank me or say like, I feel like I came in today particularly to see you, mm. like it was meant to be kind of mm. thing. I feel that that was God working through me. That wasn't me. Definitely. Do you feel like with how you've grown in God's voice, Beck, if you went mm. back to working in a hospital now, do you think you would approach it differently? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I would have utilised talking to God a lot more, mm-hmm. asking Holy Spirit every day if he had anything to say to anyone in particular, mm-hmm. patients, even staff, mm-hmm. and also guiding me in my decision-making because ultimately he made all those people's bodies. Yeah. So he alone knows the answers. We're just on a journey to find them. I love that. So he can, yeah, he could guide me. So in your work now as um, adults pastor with women only, and we'll, we'll keep it to that for safety reasons, um, how do you use God's voice in that each day? How do you rely on God's voice guiding you and leading you how to pastor and love people and the solutions that you're bringing and, and guiding them in? Yeah, so... It is just like that, like Holy Spirit guide me. And then I just, it's not that I'll hear a name and then ring that person, Mm -hmm. but I'll just go about my day and I might call a person and then I'll feel like, wow, isn't it incredible that I called them on this day? Yeah. And then I know it's Holy Spirit. Yeah. I know it's God guiding me because I wouldn't have known. Yeah. I don't know what they're going through until I've made the phone call. Mm. So, yeah, it's not necessarily hearing and then doing. It's asking and then it happens. I love that because asking is such an important part of hearing the voice of God because he wants to speak to us mm-hmm. all the time. But he's a gentleman. He's like, do you want to hear what I've got to say? Because he is mm-hmm. never going to enforce um, make us hear him so that he can be heard. That's just yes. not his nature. He actually wants yeah. us to want to hear his voice because he's all about relationship. Do you remember back one yeah. of the activations we did in the prophetic groups was, um, now don't get all religious on me, everybody who's listening, but we called it prophetic bingo mm-hmm. and we would get out our phones mm-hmm. and we would open up the contacts and we would scroll up our screen and just let it stop and believe that the Holy Spirit was even in a simple act like that look at the names on the screen, and then we'd step out and send that person an encouraging text. And wasn't it amazing how every time we sought God's voice for somebody, even in what some people would freak out and say, you can't do that. You can't scroll your contacts on your phone and call it bingo. My (laughs) goodness. That every single time when we asked God what he was saying over a person, that it would encourage them and meet them where they were at. And that's how he wants us to operate in our everyday life. I know, Beck, that um, you actually have an amazing story from the Bible of God giving Moses a solution for sickness. And I actually talked about a bit earlier, having the mind of Christ, and you also touched on Mm -hmm. it, that it's God who created our bodies. It's God who created the world. Why would he Mm -hmm. not give us the solutions to the problems that we face? Can you share about your revelation on Moses? Yeah, so I it's actually from a book yep. that my father-in-law gave me ages ago. It's mm-hmm. called None of These Diseases, and it's by two American doctors, Macmillan and Stern. Mm-hmm. And it just points out all the health secrets that were in the Bible mm-hmm. centuries, thousands of years before they were discovered by the modern world. Yep. So things that God had told Moses. So, for example, um, 
There's Moses in the way he treated leprosy. Moses was raised in Egypt Mm -hmm. and the Egyptians were really superstitious. When there was someone who had leprosy, they would chant and they would wave feathers to heal them. Mm -hmm. That was what they believed. But in Leviticus, Moses writes that as long as a person has leprosy, he must live outside that camp. It was quarantined as prescribed by God and revealed to Moses. Wow. And it was only in 1873, which is three and a half thousand, so 3,500 years later, Mm -hmm. that scientist Dr. Hansen discovered that leprosy was caused by bacteria and spreads from person to person. Wow. So they kept people with leprosy separate and eradicated leprosy from the population, even though there was an epidemic. Wow. And this goes for so many things that we take for granted, Mm -hmm. like hand washing, keeping dead bodies separate, Mm -hmm. like the morgue is separate from because doctors were just going around doing autopsies and then treating patients. Wow. Even in the 1800s. Wow. And God outlined these things to Moses thousands of years before it was discovered wow. that the Israelites had access to all this. So that yeah. actually blows my mind. And you know mm-hmm. how much I love Moses' story because it talks about how yeah. Moses was one who spoke face to face with God. And then when we look into Corinthians 3.18 and it talks about how we all with unveiled faces, and that's a reference back to the way mm-hmm. Moses used to speak to God. He had to put a veil on his face because people couldn't cope with the glow he had after he spoke with God. Yeah. It says, how much more can we with the Holy Spirit enter into even greater intimacy than Moses had with God? We have a friendship available to us more intimate than Moses. So when I think about the fact that God provided medical solutions to him, I get so excited for the doctors, the clinicians, the specialists, the social workers, wherever in this sphere you are and you are listening to this, you live, you can live in closer relationship with God than even Moses did. And who knows what solutions, maybe there's a solution to COVID is in, mm. I know it's in God's heart and mind. Maybe he wants yeah. to download it to a Christian. Who knows? Pretty cray. Mm. Oh, I love that. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. Incredible. So let's talk for a moment, Beck, about the current climate in our world. Some of the issues we're facing as a society. How hard is mm. it to be a Christian doctor or a scientist and to adhere to your Christian values? It can be tricky um, when there's things that might clash with your beliefs. Mm -hmm. So the way the medical system works is you do your basic training Mm -hmm. and then you go into a specialty like general practice, emergency, obstetrics, and you train and then you join that specialty college. Mm -hmm. And each college has its own clinical guidelines and stances on things. Right. Sounds a bit like Bible colleges, to be honest. Um, yeah, and there's and there's reasons for that because yeah. you don't want people just going all cowboy on you. Mm-hmm. But in circumstances, um, things like abortion, gender identity, things that you might disagree or you might not feel the same way, you don't really just get to do whatever you want. Right. You don't get to treat the patient in keeping with your own values and ideas. Wow. There's prescribed guidelines and things for these instances. And all you can do if you're not comfortable is refuse and then they have to go to someone else and then they'll get that treatment. So, and there were a lot of times where I felt that my faith was not valued or respected. Mm -hmm. Like if a patient on a ward 
believe that they were healed by God and shared it, mm-hmm. the team would just have a laugh. Yep. And um, as someone in their early 20s, it was pretty intimidating. Yeah, I bet. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, I mentioned a bunch of scriptures earlier about the mind mm-hmm. of Christ and how nothing exists that God didn't create. He's in all. He, he, he sustains all. Do you mm-hmm. experience God as the ultimate doctor or scientist? Do you see him? Do you see evidence in your work of him being the source of all? And do you still get amazed at what he created in the human body? Absolutely. The human body is incredible. Mm. And I can't believe anything except for intelligent design. Mm. And my medical training only makes this belief more resolute within me. Yep. Like every cell has its own little intricate system and every organ is incredible. Like it takes years to study these things and you only scratch the surface. And um, the brain is amazing and DNA and how that works and genetics. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I don't even have words to describe. Like, yeah, and reproduction is amazing. Incredible. For me, he's the creator. Yeah, and you've fallen more in love with him as you learned more about uh, yeah. the body and about medicine and about science. Absolutely. So cool. Absolutely. Well, Beck, stay with me for a sec because I'm going to bring in another friend. Yes, I have another friend, everybody, to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And this is my friend Thomas, Tom. And Tom's in his final semester of studying linguistics and psychology. I am surrounded by superior intelligence on this podcast, but that's okay because I have the mind of Christ. And recently, Tom and I happened to be waiting for the bride at a wedding together and we got chatting and then Tom just thought it was an innocent conversation, but I tucked that away and was like, ooh, podcast coming out. And um, Tom just mentioned before, nobody's safe having a conversation with me. (laughs) But welcome, Tom. Cheers. Yeah, nobody is safe. (laughs) (laughs) So good to have you here. Do tell everybody a little bit about this combination you're studying of linguistics and psychology. Yeah, it actually, um, I was always interested in psychology, always loved the mm-hmm. brain, those sorts of things and understanding people from that perspective. But then I, mm-hmm. I went abroad um, and was an English teacher for a little while and fell in love with yeah. how language actually changes um, parts of the brain. And looking at yeah. studying language and psychology side by side was something that I always wanted to do from a point of being an English teacher. So cool. I was sharing with you at the wedding, Tom, but just actually I'm sensing something prophetically now over you, but we were speaking about these studies of glossolalia and how there was a very well-known psychologist who studied glossolalia and how it passes the language center of the brain. And Mm. he was a very celebrated psychologist. His wife was a a traveling itinerant preacher. He actually got quite discredited because of his studies in this area. And a lot of them have been moved and a lot of his citations have been removed. I actually sense, Tom, just that um, as you're speaking, that God's actually going to restore. We are in a very unique season as I was studying science and some of the statistics today. We're in a unique season where Australia is actually looking to science to guide us for future decisions and for policy. I mentioned some stats earlier around the number of Australians who feel that there is more value in making policy when we consider science. Mm. And I believe that God is actually going to open up a unique opportunity for you, Tom, to pick up a study like that 
that speaks to spiritual practices and principles from the Word of God, backs it up with science and informs policy and informs society moving forward. So God, I just thank you for Tom right now. And I thank you, Lord, that you are already downloading ideas to him of the way that his relationship with you and his brain and his interest in linguistics and the way language works and the way psychology and the brain works that's not coincidence. That's a God thing. And so we breathe on it now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that you are going to give him in the next few days visions and dreams and ideas of exactly what this is going to look like in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. That was free. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> so, um, well, you can't have a prophetic podcast and not prophesy. No, it's great. You're just sticking to the, <laughs> sticking to the brand you've developed. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean it. But hey, one of the things we talked about, Tom, that really stood out to me that I was like, people need to know this because I have a lot of intercessors who listen to this and a lot of prophetically minded people. And I'm all about, I don't want prophets who are so busy in the cave that they don't know how to prophesy and speak and represent God's voice in a relevant way to the issues of the day. And yep. we were talking about the current political and social climate that you are about to graduate into as a psychologist and you were sharing with me that there are even some limits on how you are going to be able to practice given some of our current hot topics. Can you share with everybody what you shared with me? Yeah, I think um, an important understanding is unlike uh, medicine and unlike some other spheres of science um, that were actually mm -hmm. developed from the church, psychology mm -hmm. developed out of philosophy and secularism wow. uh, primarily. And so that creates the way that it has a bit of a um, an offensiveness to uh, a Christian view. Wow. And so recently um, a lot of Christian psychologists have started to find it very difficult to actually not only diagnose and treat um, but diagnose accurately what they not only believe and perceive through the spirit to be actually the issue, mm -hmm. but also all of the signs physically are pointing to. Wow. Um, and I <laughs> realized this in a class last semester. Um, it was a clinical class. We were discussing diagnostic criteria on all these, um, you know, these lists of things that people have to present with in order to um, qualify themselves for particular uh, disorders that you then diagnose and treat. Mm -hmm. And someone brought up a very topical issue of um, a disorder known as gender, uh, gender dysphoria, mm -hmm. which nowadays um, is actually not diagnosed. Mm -hmm. uh, and a statistic that is uh, well, a law case that is very unknown was that until 2015, gender uh, puberty blockers were actually reserved for the courts to allow as a treatment in psychology until 2015. Right. After okay. 2015, it's now the ability to, for the parents to consent for puberty blockers to be administered. Mm. Before then, it was considered unethical for a psychologist to actually administer a, hum uh, a hormone uh, blocker. Wow. So that's changed. And now it's almost impossible um, in the current climate to actually diagnose a evidence-based disorder. Wow. So how does a psychologist work around that? Does that not defeat the very purpose that most of you got into psychology for to help people? Definitely does. Um, and I've the, I've been racking my brains um, having conversations with people trying to understand yeah. um, how a psychologist does get around such a thing. Um, and I have had conversations with clinical psychologists and mm -hmm. their response to me is that they 
diagnose what they can diagnose and treat what they can treat within the um, guidelines that they've been given. Like uh, Beck was talking about before, there's guidelines that they have to adhere to. And unfortunately, they themselves being within the profession haven't seen a way to actually overcome some of these just bureaucracy. Uh, bureaucracy. Wowzers. And Tom, you actually mentioned that even some of your non-believing students who are studying are now considering, do I even want to practice given I can't diagnose some things that are presenting to me um, physically and emotionally and mentally? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I've had a lot of conversations, especially as we've been coming closer and closer to the point where we have to decide what we're um, doing after we graduate. And it's becoming an increasing concern for them um, as the closer we get to that and it becomes more and more of reality. Tom, how old are you? So I'm 21. Hope you don't mind me asking. It's all you're good. 21 <laughs> years old and you're about to graduate from psychology. I just want people to hear this now. Prophetic people hear this. This is the world that our young people are growing up in. And even what our traditional professions look like is dramatically changing. We are in a season as a nation right now where actually historians cannot point to another season in history like this Mm. where there's been such huge social change, technological advancement and core elements of society like the the family unit changing all in such a convergent state We can't point to another time in history when this has happened. And what it means is that the divide between generations is widening very quickly. Mm. So whereas I had a relationship with my grandparents where we could talk about a lot of things, what is now happening for our alpha gen is that they will have nothing to talk to their grandparents about because that's how different their worldview will be. Now, when I think about the principles of the Bible of multi-generations, multiple cultures all being united around our love for God, what is happening is this insidious deconstruction of the church and of biblical principles and even of the way Christians can practice in the spheres God has called them to. And so I honour what you've just shared, Tom, because people need to be aware Mm. this is happening now and we cannot afford to be asleep as the church. We have got to wake up. And we have got to pray and intercede and we have got to prophesy the solutions to the issues that people are facing in their everyday lives right now. So I am so grateful for what you've just shared. Tom, I want to ask you one more question. Beck mentioned how seeing the intricacies of the way God created our body made her love God even more. Has it been similar for you in studying the brain? Yeah, it definitely has. Um, and I, I don't know if I can say it's been even more um, than what Beck was describing, but it's yeah. I, I in first year I would sit in lectures and lecturers that have sp- dedicated their life to studying the brain would say, we think we uh, know this about this area, but realistically we, we have no idea. We've just got tendencies to go off. Wow. And um, I would sit there and Holy Spirit would just be speaking to me going, yeah, but I designed that and I can tell you exactly wow. what that area of the brain does. Come on. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to see what happens in the next few years. Tom, thank you so much for joining the conversation. Stick with us for the next few moments. And also thank you, Beck. Um, You both know that the reason I want to do this podcast about spheres is because for too long, people have believed that operating 
in the prophetic or hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and then reporting that here on earth wherever God has placed you, people have believed for a very long time that that's only for the super Christian people. But the new wineskin is wherever God has placed you, whether you're a teacher, a doctor, a psychologist at uni, whether you are a PT, whatever your role is, Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The question is, are we listening and will we be bold enough to obey what he is telling us to do and to report to other people on earth what he's saying about them and about the situations we are facing? You guys are incredibly inspiring. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having us. Yeah, definitely. It's been great. Total pleasure. I do feel that um, there may be a, I've got a Gen Z um, podcast percolating, Thomas, so you're still not safe. (laughs) So we've heard so much today and I know you will have been encouraged like I have been. So make sure you do share this with people who work in this sphere and this space and not so that we can get more downloads, but because I want to see more saints activated in the hospitals, in the social work sphere, in the childcare centres, in the school pickups and drop-offs. We want to see a break out of encouragement and prophecy because our world needs it right now. So I am believing that other people who work in this space and sphere will have received God downloads on how God wants to provide specific solutions to our fallen world issues as Tom and Beck have both shared. How He wants to create new things through us that we have the mind of Christ and that all wisdom, scientific and medical, is found in the creator of our bodies and our world. So it has been so good to have every single one of you with us. Please do do all the things like subscribe and review, review, not review, review. (laughs) Do all the things. Love you all. And I'll see you soon.